We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Notre Dame fans, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, September 8th, and it is time to slowly start turning the corner a little bit. We still have some stuff on the website breaking down the Florida State game, but it is time, at least on the YouTube side of things, to start really transitioning to this matchup this weekend against Toledo. And we're going to begin with our stacking up feature where we look at the Notre Dame offense and how it stacks up against the Toledo defense. And this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. This is a very, very well-coached football team from Toledo, a team that saw dramatic improvement from 2019 to 2020. Once they hired one of the best coaches at the Division III level in Larry and Vince Karras, excuse me, son of legendary coach Larry Karras, who was the head coach at Mount Union. Vince also was, won multiple national championships there. This is a Toledo defense that's going to be well-coached. It's a Toledo defense that had a very good start to the season against an FCS opponent, which is they did what they were supposed to do against an FCS dominated. opponent. I mean, they dominated. Right. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what you're. That's what you need them to do. And so, and it's a defense that, as I mentioned, went from giving up 32.2 points per game in 2019, uh, gave up 475.7 yards per offense in 2019, to then in year one under Vince Karras, Dropped that all the way down to 362 yards per game in 24.3 points per game. Now, they only played six games last year. It was an all-max schedule, which means there was no Power 5 team on the schedule. But it also means they didn't get a game in like Murray State like they got in the year before where they beat Murray State 45 to nothing. So gave up 32.2 points per game, but that included a 45 to nothing victory over Murray State. So you didn't have that either. So I think it is a good representation of – how well they improved. They had the number three scoring defense in the MAC last year. They had the number two total defense in the MAC last year after being one of the worst defenses in the MAC the year before. Some transfers on there. There's a name that Notre Dame fans are going to remember. Their starting right. middle linebacker, his second year starter, is Jonathan Jones. Notre Dame fans should remember him uh, from obviously he was a recruit as part of the 2016 class for Notre Dame. So we're going to break down this matchup today. This is going to be uh, Ashley Hill wants to start things off with a super chat, which we appreciate. Absolutely. Love you guys. That's awesome. We love you too, Thank Ashley. You. Appreciate it very, very much. But what we're going to do, Vince, this is going to be um, 
this is going to be sort of a just a we're just going to do the podcast. We're not going to have much of a Q&A afterwards. We're just going to dive right in. So if there's something you want to ask about this matchup, obviously, we'd love to we'd love to hear it. But just leave a super chat. Otherwise, we kind of got to stick to uh, mm-hmm. this analysis because we got to get rocking and rolling. So I want to dive in first, Vince. I think the biggest before we dive into this statistical matchup and we're still look, we're one game in. So we're still going to look at 2020 right. things while also then keeping an eye on what happened in game one. And that's going to make it really interesting because where Notre Dame was strong last year, they weren't strong against Florida State. Exactly, and yeah. We'll, we'll dive into what that means. But also that this is a game where Notre Dame needs to get right in those areas. And mm-hmm. that's what this presents. And the reason I like this matchup more than, let's say, like a Bowling Green or New Mexico, some team that's just terrible, is I feel like you're going to have a better sense of did you make that progress against a team like Toledo? Now, is Toledo a team that should beat Notre Dame? No. Is Toledo a team that should be really competitive for four quarters of Notre Dame? Absolutely not. But they are good enough and well-coached enough to where if you have success running the ball, if you have success throwing the ball, if you have success scoring points, it's going to be a good sign for you. It's going to tell you that you made some progress, and it'll set you up for that opportunity to make those improvements against Purdue. And that's what I like about this matchup, Vince. Absolutely. And 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 the thing that um, you know, we know what Notre Dame needs to work on offensively, right? They they have to get better in the run game. They have to get better at protecting Jack Cohn, uh, allowing him to do the things that we think that he can do well, and that at times he showed that he could do well in the Florida State game. And this is an opportunity not only to just physically dominate your opponent potentially, but to do it in a manner that it's clear that they looked at last week's film and they said, look, these are the things that we need to get better at and then to get better at. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. You can tell if a team is fundamentally strong. Right. It doesn't matter. You know, If they're firing off the football, if they're dominating the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. You can see that that's occurring, right? Because right. that did not occur against Florida State 99% of the time. And so if they're doing that against Toledo – that tells me that, okay, they kind of went back to the drawing board a little bit. They realized what they didn't do well, and it's an area of focus for this game and hopefully games moving forward. So that's the kind of stuff that we're going to be able to tell when they're when you're playing an opponent like Toledo is are they focusing on those fundamental things that mm-hmm. we had issue with in game one? I may not care as much if they blow Toledo off the ball. This is a very undersized defense. I sure. mean, if you look at their two deep, uh, to, to your point, though, but it's not the blowing off the ball that I care about and I know you don't care about. It's the technique required and the right. mentality required to blow them off the ball because we saw in 2018 they didn't blow Ball State off the ball. Right. Right. Exactly. And, 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 that's, and, and had they blown Ball State off the ball, it wouldn't have made me feel better about the line because that's what you're supposed to do. It's more of the are, is your communication correct? Are you are you doing the things you need to do to make sure that you're not letting guys just run free untouched? Right? That didn't have anything to do with Florida State's guys being so good. It had to do with them just not handling business and not you know yeah. not knowing who they're supposed to block. That that is one of those things that 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 is going to factor into. Okay, are they making progress? Yeah, and it, and for me, it's more firing off the ball mm-hmm. than it is blowing them right. off the ball. Exactly. Does that make sense? It's, it's no, exactly. Getting out of your stance. And yeah, because they could. I mean, look, let's let's talk. Let's so let's start, Vince. I think that's a great segue. Let's begin this by going right into the rushing, the Notre Dame rush offense sure. against the Toledo rush defense. Because I think that conversation that you're about to have is going to be very appropriate for this part of. 
practice breakdown. And so this is this is last year's statistics. This is Notre Dame's rush offense from last year, which ranked 24th nationally in yards a lot per game, ranked 29th in, in yards per attempt, uh, one of the best rushing touchdowns in the country in regards to scoring against the Toledo defense that made dramatic improvement from where it was two years ago. 2019, for example, if you look at Toledo's defense that year, they gave up 218.42 yards per game that season. Uh, that included giving up. They gave up 133 to Murray State, 289 to Colorado State, 374 to Ball State, 331 to Buffalo, 289 to Central Michigan, 232 against Illinois. The reason I'm reading off all of these MAC statistics to you is because they weren't just last year improving because they only had to play MAC teams. Sure, they gave up more than 150 yards rushing last year once. Yeah in six well i'm sorry twice in six games right didn't end the season off great against central michigan gave up 197 but they held eastern michigan to 34 eastern michigan's a good football team for the mac uh held ball state who won the conference last year as a very good rushing team to 143 yards but 2.92 yards per carry that is a significant jump in one period of time and and that's certainly a a a great sign of improvement in year one under Vince Karras with, and we talked about this and when we did our summer preview of Toledo with no off season for Vince Karras, right. no time because of COVID, no time to really get the players going. Now he's had that and you're going to see an improved football team. We got another super chat from SJ. Can't wait till Saturday comes. Indy is lucky to have you guys. I don't think they feel that way, but we <laughs> like the fact that you feel that way. Thanks. SJ. We appreciate your super chat very, very much. That's awesome. Thank you but so Vince, much. For that's a huge jump in one year. Yeah, it is. And, and like you said, it's the no off season. It's the, you know, we talked about the fact that it was the worst possible time to take over a program. Right. I mean, it just absolutely was. And, and to try, even if it's your second year, it's the worst possible time. Not that COVID's ever a good time to, to infiltrate your program, but, you know, first year, second year, I feel like those are the two years where you're really still establishing your identity. And if you Look don't have Dame, that Vince. time, yeah. Ex- Notre Dame handled example. COVID so well because they were such a veteran team. Right. Absolutely correct. And they had yeah. stead coordinators that had been there. There was no nothing new that they had right. to learn. And and the guys even have talked about the fact of how difficult COVID was. And that was on a team that you're right, had all kinds of veterans, had guys on the coaching staff that had been there. They had everything in place that they needed, and it w- still went great. And, and that is a testament to what mm-hmm. Notre Dame can do, and it should make people appreciate mm-hmm. – uh, what they have on the other side, you know, when you're talking about other teams. And and so Toledo didn't have that a, a ability, but they still made a big jump on defense. And I think that's something that impressed me about this football team. And again, what you're going to see from this team on, on, on Saturday, Vince, is going to be a very well-coached team. But let's be honest about something else. Vince Cares is not used to having a, the least talented team on the football field, right? I mean, he was a Mount Union. He never had the least talented team on the field. You know, he he same thing last year for Toledo. Uh, they always had a, a pretty talented football team that they could have some success with. When you look at this situation, they're gonna they're not gonna just line up and do what they do. They're not just gonna line up and say, "Hey, uh, we're a four-two team," and and they've kind of got a weird their depth chart's kind of weird because it's listed as like a. It's listed almost like kind of like a two, four, five, 
<laughs> they list two outside linebackers, two D tackles, two linebackers, a nickel, and then four DBs. It's really a it's really a, a, a it's really a hybrid four down from yeah. what I've seen. You know that they're going to have basically four guys in line of scrimmage, no like matter what. Two stand the up guys, right on the outside, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of times that one of those quote unquote outside linebackers uh, will put his hand in the ground. Okay, and sometimes both of them will put their hand in the ground. So it, it, you know the depth chart's going to tell you a story that doesn't necessarily show up on film, but the point is the one thing that is for certain is they're not real big. Their mm-hmm. front four guys are listed at 250, 290, 255, and 235, right? The 290 guys, Judge Culpepper, that's a name a Notre Dame fans might remember. He was a guy that Notre Dame recruited a little bit several years ago. Ended up not pushing for. He went to – they recruited him, as, recruited him as a tight end. He went to Penn State to play D-line. Uh, ended up transferring from Penn State. Never made a whole whole much of an impact. But he good, solid player. But he's 290. That's their biggest guy in the starting lineup. Now, they have some size in the two deep, but their starting lineup is small. And even if they're not small, Jonathan Jones, we remember him. Their linebackers are 230, 225. Their nickelbacks, 195. They have three guys in their lineup over 250 pounds, right? right? And, and so, and one guy over 260. They're not going to line up and say, hey, this is what we do. Let's line up and play sound defense. They're going to attack. Mm-hmm. And I actually think, Vince, that's a good thing for Notre Dame in regards to its evolution as an offense because just lining up and blowing Toledo off the balls doesn't doesn't show you anything doesn't do anything for you right I mean, having to handle all those twists and stunts and all and that's exactly what Ball State did to Notre Dame in 2019 yep. they were not prepared for those twists and stunts Jeff Quinn's gonna have to do a much better job of getting this team ready for all the twists and stunts and and look Toledo's gonna twist and stunt I'm watching film of their Ball State game last year and they were twisting and stunning and slanting against a team that they matched up with size-wise Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to bring some exotic stuff. That's just what they you're, do. Yeah, right. you're going to see yeah. corner fires. You're going to see linebackers coming. You're going to be see safeties coming. You're going to see some zone fires. Their goal, Vince, is going to be this. We've got to force Notre Dame into mistakes. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame's going to have to be disciplined. It's not just about being bigger and better and badder, which they are. It's about being disciplined. And that's something they always they weren't always that last week. So that's why I say, in a lot of ways, Vince, this is a really good test for yeah. Notre Dame based on what they struggled with last week in the run game. Because if you can't get your run game going this week, Vince. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good point. Um, and and I I, I want to echo a point that you just made too about the fact that 
uh, it's in Toledo's makeup to be st- stunting and slanting and and twisting and doing all of those different things. Because look, a lot of times when Notre Dame plays, you know, a, a lesser opponent, a MAC team, if you will, they're going to do that just to Notre Dame. So it's right. outside of what they normally do. And but they're that's not the good way, at it. And they're not great at it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so this, what you're saying, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly, is that this is what they do, mm-hmm. right? And and that's what can hurt Notre Dame because they're going to be good at it because this is their makeup. This is what they do every single game, not just for a game where they're outmatched. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think this is going to be a really good test because you talk about the fact that there were some communication issues up front uh, Mm -hmm. in in game one. And this is a chance to clean that up because in order to do a good job against slants and, and all of those different things, you have to communicate. You have to operate as a group of five or six depending on if there's a tight end there. Uh, because if you don't, guys are going to come free. And mm-hmm. when guys come free, bad things happen. So right. communication is going to be so, so important in this game. So let's let's get specific to this matchup. Obviously, on paper, it looks very similar. I mean, it's a pretty evenly contested matchup to where it was last year. I don't think either one of these groups necessarily looked great in the opener. Obviously, Notre Dame didn't run the ball worth a darn against Florida State. Toledo gave up. Uh, what was it 200 and excuse me uh, 142 yards and 147 yards in the opener to Florida to Norfolk State that's not a lot of yards but it's Norfolk State right yeah it, right it's, it's that's a decent number of yards and I yeah, think it's three it's, and a half yards of rush right um, right yeah yeah and uh, I think when you look at it to me Vince that's a sign that this is a vulnerable rush defense early on because of that lack of size. Now, Norfolk State just kind of kept pounding it. They're not a team that throws the football really all that effectively. Norfolk State only threw 19 passes in that game. They are a running team. Notre Dame is going to be a more effective pass team. I think the thing that's going to be more intriguing to me is what – a week ago, I think Toledo was probably thinking, hey, we're going to line up, we're going to load the box, we're going to make Notre Dame beat us with the pass game. I don't think you can do that now. Right. Not after what you saw last week. So it, that part is going to be very interesting. Does that alter what Toledo would have done? But at the end of the day, you've got a Notre Dame offensive line that's got some size, a Notre Dame offensive line that better better darn well have some attitude this game after what happened yeah. to them last week. I, that You know what, Vince? That's the thing in this matchup I'm most intrigued by is does the Notre Dame offensive line come out and play with some attitude after getting embarrassed yeah. last week? Yeah, absolutely. Do they even view it as being embarrassed? They should. I hope so. My gosh, you can't. There's no way you can turn on that film as a football player or as a football coach and be like, yeah, we did good. Like, yeah. no. Quentin Nelson led offensive line and Alex Bars led offensive line and Robert Hainsey led offensive line. is going to look at that and just you're going to be pissed off the whole week yeah, of practice. That's not good and, enough. That's yeah. not Notre Dame standard. That's not, yeah. that's not the standard that was left for you as an offensive line you know, community, right? Because th- those guys mm-hmm. talk to each other. And I almost guarantee you, you just named off some of those really important guys in the recent history of Notre Dame offensive mm-hmm. line. Those guys are going to be in contact with the guys that are on the team right now. And they're like, guys, it's not good enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That absolutely is going to happen. Right. And I hope that it does. And I I, I, I hope they kind of call them to the carpet. But like, guys, mm-hmm. that's not Notre Dame. That's not what we do. Yep. Um, and yeah, because we know that that group is very close. Guys that have already mm-hmm. graduated, and even guys that they didn't it's necessarily play with. Man, no it's question about it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there are bridges between them. You know, there's a right. Josh Lug is a bridge between those eras. You know, certainly Josh Lug and Jarrett Patterson are bridges to the previous era of the of the Eichenberg, the Kramers, the Hainseys, and the the Bankses. You know, but so so <clears throat> what are they gonna? What's that? 
mentality like? Right. Do they come out playing with a little chip on their shoulder? Honestly, I Vince, so. I could deal with them missing, messing up on some twists and stunts and just turning some guys loose if we see that. Right. Because you and I – look, you don't just magically fix all your problems in a week. No. You're still going to make some of those mistakes. You don't all of a sudden play one game and all of a sudden you're a well-oiled five-man machine. We're going to see that. And the comparison we used yesterday was the 2018 season. It really wasn't until game three that they started looking okay. It wasn't game four till they actually looked good. And it wasn't until game five they looked great. So we're going to see some mistakes on Saturday. Sure. I, I, and to a degree, I can live with some of that this early, considering you have four new starters up front. But what I can't accept and what's going to give me long-term you know, issue concerns, again, I don't care – to make sweeping conclusions after one or two games. But if they don't come out with some piss and vinegar in this mm-hmm. game, that's going to concern me. That The mentality say, hey, you know, we're going to come up hard. I'd rather you come up hard and then miss, and you can clean that up than to do the passive stuff we saw last week. Yes, absolutely. And Chip on the they, shoulder is huge right now. Yeah. And it's yeah. going to we're going to see it manifest itself in this matchup right here. Yes, no they question. They don't have to run for 300 yards, but they better have some success. Give your running backs room to work. That's why I want, and I don't want to see it. I don't want to see like 220 yards because they ripped off a couple long runs, and then there's a lot of inefficiency in between. Mm-hmm. I want to see you pounding out yards, then hit you know hit the home runs. Obviously, I'm not saying don't hit home runs. I'm just saying don't <laughs> only hit. Let's hey, go, to a go, down, go down to 20. All right, we were trying to work <laughs> on some stuff here. But what I'm saying is I don't want to see that mixed in. Could you imagine that happening? I don't want to see that mixed in with a lot of minus twos and right. twos and ones and zeros and stuff like that. I want to see some level of push in this mm-hmm. game. And if they do that, Notre Dame should have success because this is not a super disruptive team. At least it wasn't last year. Sure. They weren't. I mean, they had eight tackles for loss against North State. That's a good number, but not a great number against a team like against Florida State. It's about creating confusion up front that then allow some, some linebackers to run free and make plays. Right. And I think that's what they're going to look to do. And Notre Dame's going to obviously have to have an answer for that. So it's going to also be interesting to see Jonathan Jones. I thought John was a good football player yeah. in Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, he had seven tackles in the opener, you know, had 19 tackles last year in six games as, as part of the starting line. You know, he was, I think, believe he was, I watched him. He started against Ball State for sure. So it's going to be nice to see him, like to see him have some success. So uh, it, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a test. And when we say test, understand what we mean. It's a it's a test in, in regards to the evolution of your football team. It's not a test that we're going to say if they have success, we're going to feel like okay, they arrived. This team drilled Toledo. They're ready to go. Right, that, right. That's not what we I, we have. A super chat from Tony Stangle here, Vince. What's this up, feels like a get. He's and he's absolutely right on this. I wanted to pull it up. This feels like a get-right game. What do we need to see from the O-line to feel confident moving forward? And and he's absolutely right. This is a get-right game. And, and Vince, mm-hmm. we kind of talked about it, but you know, to summarize the two things yeah. that we really want to see from this line, and then we'll talk about who has the advantage. Yeah, I need to see Notre Dame firing off the football um, in, in the run game. Uh, I need to see – and then I need to see them playing with a chip on their shoulder, play with some aggression, play with some physicality. Um, that, that's, that's really what I need. And, and some better communication, uh, to be honest with you. And, and again, it's game two. You're, we're going to see some mistakes. We, we are, it's just going to happen. So people need to expect that that's going to happen. Just like we said, going into game one, but I need to see better communication. Um, I, when, when, and, and execution, right. I, it, communication and execution. There were a couple of times in, 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 in Sunday night's game where, you had two guys kind of double teaming, but then they left the inside open 
and then that allowed the defensive end to get underneath both of them and get in there for a tackle for loss, right? It just needs to be better. Um, so for me, it's firing off the football and it's playing with a chip. Those are the two things for me. So advantage in this matchup, Vince, goes well, has to, to – yeah, I mean, it has to be Notre Dame. I mean, it, I we would really be in a in bad shape uh, as analysts if – if Notre Dame was not going to be the pick here against a, a Toledo NAC team. Um, so, I mean, it has to be advantage Notre Dame. But when we're grading out the film, I'm not looking at it as Notre Dame versus Toledo. It's Notre Dame versus Notre Dame. Yes. It, it's, it's, that's what I would be looking for as a coach, right? Yeah. Did they take that step from last week? Right, because last week they're facing a team that had some – I mean, their their smallest end was 255. The other end was 272. They had 295 to 330 pounders inside. You're not facing that this week. Right. And the ones that, and they, like I said, they have some guys in the two deep that have that kind of size, but they're not, they're at Toledo for a reason with all due respect. Sure. I'm yeah. not trying to be disrespectful, but at 315 pound nose tackles at Toledo for a reason. Well, there's it's a hierarchy. It's a, there's a hierarchy in college football. There just is. And, you know, it's not disrespectful. It just is what it is. Against these teams, I usually get more worried about the 230 or 225-pound end because he's usually a heck of a football player. He's just right. too small to get a scholarship to Notre exactly. Dame or Ohio State. He's the athletic, scares me. Right? He's the athletic freaky kid who, again, <laughs> just doesn't fit the mold. The, yeah, the real twitchy one. guy that just doesn't have the, the frame to, yeah. to be that. Yeah, so – Definitely, definitely advantage Notre Dame when you talk about the Notre Dame offense, offensive running the football against the Toledo defense and its rush defense. So let's go to point two, Vince. Let's go to number two on this matchup, and that is the Notre Dame pass offense against the Toledo pass defense. Now, this is interesting because Toledo's pass numbers, defense numbers are going to look great based on the opener. They held the opponent to go nine of 19. Right, yeah. pretty, pretty good day. Uh, only gave up, uh, let's see here, 134 passing yards, one touchdown, one pick with a quarterback rating of 113.46. Problem is Norfolk State stinks when it comes <laughs> to throwing the football. You know what's funny is you and I are looking at box scores, uh, I'm guessing, from two different places because I have completely different numbers than you. What do you have? <laughs> I have 8 of 18 okay. for uh, 125 yards. Okay. So it's it's just interesting. I don't Yeah, I'm I'm, on, I'm looking at it from uh I'm looking at it from Pro uh CFB stats. Okay. Yeah, so, well, I which I would trust more than where I'm at right now. Well, who are you looking at? ESPN. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, uh you you <laughs> why are you giving them the clicks? What's wrong with you, man? Um <laughs> it came up on Google, man. Okay. So I, I clicked and okay. went, but yeah, it's funny that they're I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna pull different. up there, but it's it's like probably either, just either one way. pass. I'm either. gonna pull up the, the Toledo team stats here. It's one uh one more completion and attempt that you have yeah. that was for what six yards, yeah, something so, like that. <clears throat> here's a shocker. ESPN was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. <laughs> the Toledo official stats have them as nine of nineteen Fair for one hundred thirty-four yards. I just thought that was funny. All right, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, can't can't wait to, you know. <laughs> now I know better. Yes, uh, <laughs> Tommy Guns. I'm going to get to your super chat. I appreciate it. We're going to get to that after the show here, uh, but the answer is no. Uh, so let's look at this matchup, Vince. Toledo, obviously. Great numbers week one and Notre Dame. The numbers that again, the, the numbers you see here, right? Yeah, right. right. Which way are we going right that way? <laughs> <laughs> that way. <laughs> I got it right, right the first there. Time. Those numbers right there. 
uh, don't look anything like what we saw in the opening weekend from either exactly. team. Obviously, Toledo had great success against the Norfolk State offense. It is a run, run, run heavy offense. And Notre Dame, right. Notre Dame's pass game was phenomenal. I, I mean, Jack Cohn's numbers in the opener were ridiculous. And then when you consider the fact that he you know, had, what, two balls dropped that probably could have got him close to 400 yards. I think he would have been over 400. I think yeah. he went over 400. Yeah, I mean, that that was a, an incredibly impressive performance. I mean, you talk about a quarterback rating of 194.14, uh, averaged 10.5 yards per attempt, 14.1 uh, yards per completion, 74.3 completion percentage, uh, and – Gave up. They got sacked what four times? I think that was the one to one that drawback. A, that's a bugaboo for right? sure. But 366 yeah. yards, and it's not like he had like they went to three overtimes. He had zero passing yards in overtime. That's so, true because they it, went conservative and just right. I mean, didn't but they they uh, they threw a swing pass, but I think it was for no gain. It was one of those t- bootleg under routes to, to okay. Michael Mayer, and yeah. he tackled at the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah. So he no didn't say they have any passing yards. So yeah. his numbers in regulation were. <laughs> They, they went super conservative in right. overtime. Once they the missed race. that field goal, I mean, right. again, I don't necessarily love that decision, but you know what? It's it's it is what it is. But yeah. Um, but you look at you look at what the numbers were beforehand. Before, well, and really, if you look at the numbers before the hail mary, you know, really through what thirty three pat because he was and uh, what did he, what did I just say thirty five pass attempts right. Mm-hmm. You take away the Hail Mary and then that overtime throw, he was at 33 pass attempts. That's 11.1 yards per attempt. That's better than what Alabama had last two years. Right. Just to put it in the context of how good that performance was. So, and then you're going against a, a, a Toledo pass defense that last year did have, this is the area where they did have some problems last year. You know, yards per game were not good. Yards per attempt were better, but, they had some. T- there were there were some games where they really struggled with the pass game, and that's something that I'm curious to see how how he's been able to get that cleaned up. I think that to me is probably the area where you're going to be furthest behind when you talk about not being able to get your defensive install done because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, good start in the first game, but and, and then you look at it, and you, it it needs some context. Those numbers, you know, again, 47 yards per attempt. They played Bowling Green in the opener. Bowling Green went eight of 30 in that game last year for 128 yards. The next four games, they gave up 69 completion percent, 64.1, 74.3. Northern Illinois went 19 of 39, 48.7, so that was better. But those 19 completions resulted in 273 yards. They gave up 284, 244, 304 to Ball State, 273 to Northern Illinois. Gave up three, four, two, and two touchdown passes in those next two games. So 11 touchdowns and two interceptions in the next four games. Uh, that was obviously not a not a great performance. Had a better performance against Central Michigan, but Central Michigan was not a very good passing team last year. Central Michigan averaged uh, 200 yards per game last year passing, had a quarterback rating as a team of 128.94. They were not a very good passing team last year. They were a running team under Jim McElwain, so, I mean, not a surprise. They averaged 218.2 rushing yards per game. So their pass defense is, to me, Vince, is the area where I think they're most vulnerable if we're talking about it from just a pure matchup. Forget what Nernie needs to work on, just looking at their right. team versus the other team. This is the area where I think Notre Dame has the biggest advantage. Well, and and from what we saw in game one, and I obviously you have the 2020 numbers up there for Notre Dame, which for good reason, there's only been one game for Notre Dame. Right. But what we saw, it's a completely different philosophy for Notre Dame offensively this year. And if we were taking away, you know, our pluses from from Sunday night's game, 
it was the pass game. I mean, the only thing that derailed the pass game were, were the fact that Jack Cohn didn't have time in the pocket at times, right? I mean, that was and two that drops. Was really, and two right. drops, exactly. And so, and I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't anticipate Michael Mayer having the dropsies all season. I, I just don't. He's not that kind of a player. He's a very confident player. He's a kid who's going to fix that, right? Um, and, and we've seen that in a microcosm of the Clemson game, right? He had a couple drops early, then he made the big play late. Uh, and I see that being the case with him. So I'm not necessarily worried about him. Um, I, I think I just think that this pass game for Notre Dame is is just going to take even another step potentially. Uh, spreading the ball around, give me getting the slots involved a little bit more, uh, you know, things of that nature. Plus, here's what I would like to see. And I realize that this is kind of a combo situation. I would like to see. You know, there were, what, eight or nine RPOs in the last game. I would like to see a pull and throw uh, at some point, right? Now, and, and I, and go ahead. Go just because we talked about – I just want to – because yesterday we talked about we, – we questioned whether or not there were those. Right. I went right. back and looked at my notes again, looked at my breakdown, went through it again last night. There was actually two uh, big ones in the second half, including the okay. first play of the second half. So that bomb, that throw to Kevin Austin on the first play of the second half, that was an RPO. And it was a little different because in the first half, they were just doing those little look screen RPOs. They actually did some. The little throw out to Kevin Austin to the right where he caught it, made a guy miss, that was also an RPO. It looked to me like Tommy Reese went in there at halftime and said, hey, we got to make some adjustments because they were crowding the box and they needed to get the ball outside there, giving Notre Dame one-on-ones. And and that's something that I liked, Vince, to your point. I want to see more pull and throws. I do. Right. I want to see a little bit more creative RPO game this week, but I liked the fact that at halftime it was obvious that Tommy Reese went in and said, hey, we need to make some adjustments. Some of those adjustments are we got to do these RPOs because if they're just going to load – because Florida State didn't blitz a whole lot. They really didn't. Right. There's like they heated another name. No, they really didn't. No, there was it's, a lot of four-man fronts. Front. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a lot of four-man super fronts. disappointing. Right. Uh, but they were aggressive with their coverages. They were basically saying, Notre Dame, you're going to have to beat us throwing the ball downfield. And Jack Cohn was like, word, gotcha, I'll do that. So that was that to me. To your So to your point, um, I just wanted to add some – I don't want to interrupt your point because your point is accurate, but I did want to just interject that because we had – you and I value being accurate. And yesterday we said we couldn't remember them pulling and throwing any sure. RPOs. Sure. So I just wanted to point out those two. Please get back to your point. Sorry for the interruption, but again, I wanted no, it's okay. to make sure that we were accurate in, in what we what we were saying. But, but yeah, your point still stands. So please continue. Right. If I'm looking at ways for this past game to get better, to take another step, right? It, it starts for me with with the RPO game, and I and I'd like to see that just a little bit more. And I realize the whole point of an RPO is to take what the defense is giving you, right? And if they're giving you the run game, then you hand it off. I mean, I, I totally, totally get that. But I would like to see some pulls and throws because um, I still think Jack Cohn getting the ball out of his hands in a, in a quick manner is an underestimated uh, part of his game. And I don't think he really even had an opportunity to show it in the first game. And I, I think that his decision-making and him getting the ball, getting rid of the ball – is something that I think he's really good at. And I think he can showcase that a little bit more in this game and moving forward. So I'd like to see that. And then, of course, I would like to see the offensive line provide him the opportunity to do the things that he needs to do in the pocket. I mean, they it, there were too many times where he was the, – the, the middle of the line was getting pushed back uh, into him and he mm -hmm. wasn't able to step into his throws – uh, or he got rocked and he couldn't do what he needed to do. So 
Um, that's what I would like to see from this offensive pass game. I think that also would affect the the part that we just talked about. I, I think that that being able to pull on some of those times where, especially in this game, I think I think RPOs should even be more effective this game than they were last week because the the thing is because Florida State was not low. Florida State had a lot of guys near the line. Yes, they did. But they weren't. But they didn't go the box the way that they did last year. Yeah, they didn't necessarily right? go. They were kind of like setting the edge, yes. if you will, just kind of staying out yes, there. Yeah. They thought they. They blitzed more in the first quarter and a half than they did the last two and a half quarters because they realized we're whooping Notre Dame's butt with four. Yeah. So what that allowed them to do was then use their linebackers and safeties to just run to the ball. And so when Notre Dame was getting outside, that they were they were still getting to Notre Dame and limiting the gains to a degree because they had guys coming downhill from depth. Whereas last year, once Notre Dame got past the line of scrimmage, there was nobody there, and they were able to rip off the long runs. And so I think that. That that is where the RPOs kind of weren't quite as effective, like the quick game RPOs that you're talking about. Yeah, and that's why the the best RPO they did was just a straight drop back, let her rip, right. which I thought set the tone for the second half and the aggressiveness Absolutely. that we saw in the third quarter. And and I love the fact that we saw so much. I mean, they threw a touchdown, a 41 yard touchdown on fourth and one. They threw a 37 yard touchdown on third and one. Like I loved that. You know, we saw. Uh, third and goal from the six. We saw Jack Cohn hit. You know, they, we saw an empty free release from Notre Dame with Kyron Williams just swinging outside, catching the ball, making a guy miss. Yeah, we saw some aggressiveness in the pass game that we hadn't seen last year. We didn't see last year, and I liked that. I think that's going to benefit the run game. I think, but this is yeah. a week where some of that RPO stuff should be more effective. If Toledo, if Toledo's not forced to bring six guys, we're going to be in trouble. There's, there's no question. Uh, so, and if, it, and if they are bringing six, just to add on to your point, if they are bringing six, that's where it's the pull and the go. Yep. And you're going to get that wide open intermediate area Bingo. where your RPOs are. And you can get so that stuff outside up. and get the guys, right. you know, you know, you can get those you guys get two on three space. out there. You can get a, right. a, a two on one, you know, you can, you can capitalize on the numbers because if they're bringing six, that means they're taking that sixth person away mm -hmm. from someplace on the defense. And you have to be able to take advantage of that. Right. And so that's going to be the matchup. I mean, look, personnel wise, Florida, uh, Toledo, Florida State. Yes, they got that. See, game still, I mean, we've been talking about it for like six months. Right. So <laughs> they do have some some decent size in the secondary. Their nickelback is six foot one, ninety five. Nate Bowers is strong safety. He's a good player, experienced player. Uh, he's six foot one, ninety five. He's a kid that actually Notre Dame looked at coming out of high school. He's a good football player, really athletic kid. Their free safety, Zachary Ford, is six three, two oh three. Uh, and then they've got a freshman cornerback starting, Quinion Mitchell, who's six foot one ninety seven. I'll say this: if I don't see Tommy Reese, as I've been praising Tommy Reese all week, sure, I'm excited what he's going to do in the in the second game. I really, I haven't looked this, I haven't looked this much forward to what the game plan is going to be in a long time. I'm like excited yeah. about the game plan after what we saw Saturday. I hope that they don't just come out and say, "Hey, let's go 12, 13 personnel because we got to get blow the run game up. going." Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that gets you better for Purdue and Wisconsin. So I. I doesn't mean that you don't do things to try to get your run game established, but you, you've got to do it within the framework of what makes you your better football team. And going 12 personnel all day just to run the football against Toledo, I don't think makes you a better football team. You've got to be able to run out 11 personnel. You've got to be sure. able to run out of shotgun. You've got to be able to do those things, right? Now, do you want to do some things maybe where you get under center and line up and 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 do some things where you want to run the ball? Then that maybe sets up your play, your true play action game. Sure, I'm go I'm good with that, okay? But the point is, Vince, is that 
they need to still be aggressive throwing the football. They can't take a step back. If that's right. going to be who they are, they got to do that no matter who they're playing. So and yeah, go ahead. I, I go was going to say I feel like this is and correct me if you think I'm wrong here. I feel like this is an identity game. This is where look we saw some really good things from from this offense in the first game, right? And we saw some things they obviously need to work on. But in games like this, this is where you establish your identity, right? This is where you're like, okay, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is we're going to be good at this, and it doesn't matter who we're playing. This is what we need to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to see them take a step back, like right. you said, and just be. Well, Which we're going to go 13. Brian Kelly has had a tendency it. to do in the past. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So to me, this is a huge identity situation for yeah. this offense and for Tommy Reese. If they I, go out and they right. have the same similar game plan that they had against Florida State, this is what we're going to see the rest right. of the year. Just execute it better, yeah. right? Like, exactly. I'm all good. If you want to if you want to force the run game early to get it going, I'm good with that. But don't, don't do it in ways that's not who you are. Don't right. start going 12-13 personnel all game. Exactly. Right? That, that, to me, doesn't make you a better football team. Yep. You know, maybe mix it in and things. So when you get back to the pass game, I want to see them be more aggressive. And they have a true freshman. So what I was going to say oh. is – is they got a true freshman at corner. If I don't see as excited as I am is about this, if I don't see Tommy Reese going after him like early, like first few series, I'm going to be disappointed. And then the other cor- corner, who's a good football player, Samuel Womack, is a veteran player, solid football player, I should say. He's 5'10. Right. So you got two matchups that I like. <laughs> in this game that I want to see them take advantage of. Yes, no uh, question. That's going to be the key. And and that's going to tell me a little something about where the mindset is this football team. It's like, look, you got to be who you are. It doesn't mean you don't improve other parts of your game, but if this right now, uh, you get see Vince, like, right, so here we go. There we go. <laughs> if this right here is the, is the best part of where your offense is, you don't take that you don't take a step away from that because you got to work on the other parts you continue to thrive in that as you bring the other parts along and then you use this part of your game to to make that other part better that's what i want to see and that was to your point about you started talking about rpos during the pass game section because those things are going to not only make your pass game effective but those things are going to start protecting your run game right And, and you know they they forced they forced to lead or Florida State to defend them down the field. Mm-hmm. I want to see them do a little bit more, forcing them to defend the width of the field with the pass game. We didn't necessarily they didn't really do that. that. They didn't really right? do that. Yeah, you're right. right. Some some of the quick stuff to the to the backs I liked. You know, I mean the swing. We had a you know like a nine yard swing screen to Chris Tyree. That was a design screen. You had a swing screen to the right. You had a tunnel screen to the left. Both of them were there. He took the the correct pre snap read. Now the the tunnel screen opened up post snap, but pre snap Jack Cohn where it went where he was supposed to go. You have the swing to 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 Kyron Williams where he got him in space and made a dude miss and scores a touchdown. So we saw it, but we need to see it more p- past the line of scrimmage now. Sure, the yep. ten yard outs, the five yard outs, the things like that. You know, the quick hitches where you let Braden Lindsay catch it and square a dude up. You know, uh, they need to get Lawrence Keys more involved. I don't know if that's going to happen. I thought it was. A, a, Absolute embarrassment that Notre, that Lawrence Keys got five snaps. He's healthy. I know for a fact he's healthy. Oh, he uh, five got snaps. five snaps in this game. Ridiculous. Your sl- your your slots got zero targets. Some of that was how Florida State was playing. You know they they weren't going to let you beat them in the hash really. Sure. But th- th- there needs to be some more of that, and I think that's an area where they 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 can. That is one area where I think the pass defense can improve. And for for Flor- for Toledo, the question is going to be: Can you put pressure on the quarterback? And Absolutely. can you do it without bringing six? 
I think that's going to be a question mark in this mm-hmm. game. Uh, that's the only hope that they have is that they can get pressure on the quarterback, maybe have a strip sack or two, uh, force Jack Cohn to have to throw quick, force him to make misses because they're in his face. That that and that's where you're going to see a lot of those twists and stunts and corner fires and you know zone dogs and all that kind of stuff is you know trying to get him into a quick throw and then you're dropping right into it and you pick it off. Right. That's that's right. those are the things that that Vince Karras is going to design and attempt to try to get done is I'll try to confuse the quarterback. Right. right? I mean, that's Notre Dame man to man. You have no. to be able to force Notre Dame into mistakes. Right. And you have to scheme your way into that. And so outside of that, Vince, the advantage in this matchup clearly is with Notre Dame. Oh, absolutely. That's it, not really even a debate, um, it, especially with what we saw. Like, I would obviously I would have taken Notre Dame if we were talking about this last year. Right. Um, but just it's those even, numbers right there to me. Right. When you consider the competition, give Notre Dame the edge. Absolutely. But then we take into account what they did last week. Right. And I feel like they should be if I if Tommy Reese is everything I think he is, they're going to double down on what they were doing in week one. Right. And I think that's even more of an advantage for Notre Dame. So, right. um, and again, there's things we're going to be looking for to get better. Right. No question. But I, you know, in this match kind of crazy that, that there's a lot of things you and I could point to in the past game that could have been better. Oh, they yeah. completed 74.3 percent <laughs> of their passes for 366 yards and. In, in four touchdowns and went nine of 12 on third and fourth down, throwing the ball for like 178 yards and three touchdowns. They were best on third and fourth down in the past yeah. game. I felt like I, yeah. that it, yeah. yeah, it's a different feeling uh, when Notre Dame goes into third and fourth down now than I've ever had in the past ever. And, and you know what too, is by throwing a touchdown on fourth and one, by throwing another touchdown on third and one, you've now put the rest of your opponents on notice. Yeah. You better not load the box up. Please load if you the do box that, up. if you want to give us a one-on-one to Kevin Austin, we'll take it. Right. I don't care what down and distance it is. If you want to try to go one-on-one with Michael Mayer, I don't care if it's fourth and two two centimeters. Right. We're not the photos ball, those ball. Because that's even more effective. A 41-yard touchdown pass is more effective than a one-yard run to get you that moves the chains. Right. Yep. Could not agree more. So before we move on to the next, the final breakdown, Vince, we did have a super chat from Jay. Jay says, when is the last time Notre Dame played five ranked opponents versus number 18, Wisconsin, number seven, Cincinnati, number 19, Virginia Tech, number 14, USC, number 24, North Carolina? Well, they played seven ranked opponents in 2017. Teams that finished ranked in 2017. So that was, uh, this schedule still has some some catching up to do to, to what that, uh, well, and on top that of that, Notre Dame was schedule. I'm not 100% convinced that every one of these teams that's listed is going to finish ranked. We'll right. see. We'll right. see. I mean, it's definitely possible, um, but I, you could make a case that that may not be the case. So, yeah, because you know, we'll when see. you look at the 2017 team, seven ranked teams, six in the regular season. Right. So to answer your question, the last time that happened was 2017. <clears throat> and that was teams that finished ranked, not that were ranked at some point in time in the and season. that's what matters right. to me. Right. That's I what agree. matters to me. Yeah, because otherwise you say, what, in 2015, hey, they beat a number 15 Georgia Tech. They went three and nine. Right. And there wasn't, right. There, it wasn't and then there was a year that they, they faced uh, Michigan State early on. They weren't ranked. And then they oh, ended 2013. Up in like, yeah. They ended up in like the top 10, right? Three. They went 13. Yeah, top five. Their only yeah. loss was to Notre Dame. Yeah. So uh, those right. are the so, rankings. So that, that was a huge me. win. That was yes. a huge win. You give Brian Kelly credit for beating a top five team. I don't care if they weren't ranked at the time. Clearly, they were a top five team. It was a September exactly. game. So the preseason polls don't. It's like, so, you, so you're going to say that they beat a top 15 Georgia Tech team in 2015. They went three and nine. Or, right. or the year before that, when they played Michigan State on the road, and Michigan State was top 10. 
and they finished and then, seven and six, and it fell out. Yeah, exactly. But they weren't a good team, so I, it's about what they finished. But I do think that I do think at least four of those teams are going to finish in the top twenty-five. Um, okay, okay. Uh, but 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 I don't think all five of them are. I think one of them will fall. I don't know who it's going to be yet, but one of there's them candidates. Fall out. I mean, there's candidates to fall out. I mean, we'll see how the year goes and and, yeah. and things. Well, We've only seen Wisconsin one only has what one more game between now and the time they play Notre Dame, or two. They have two more. They should have, have to, two more. And let's, I don't I they have a bye five. Do they, they have a bye this early? Yeah, so they, so they, play oh. Mich- they play Eastern Michigan this weekend, then they have a bye, and then they play Notre Dame. Okay. Well, so they decided to put all their eggs in the let's beat Notre Dame basket with that schedule. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's going to work out well for them, in my opinion. <laughs> right. That's but, so, I mean, and they plan. need extra games. I mean, the right. way that they played, they need more than the Eastern Michigan game on offense to get that thing going. But it, that's a different conversation for a different day. Yes, it is. So, Vince, let's move on to the final part of this breakdown, and that is just kind of taking these two things and put them in together, and you come up with your scoring offense. Mm -hmm. And for all of Notre Dame's issues last year, they were a pretty decent scoring offense team. But when you look at these numbers over here, right, they're very comparable. Overall numbers are very comparable. You know, uh, Notre Dame finished 30th in scoring offense, Toledo 36th in scoring defense. Notre Dame finished 26th in yards per game, 34th in yards per play. Toledo was 36th and 34th on defense. Neither of them were worth a darn in the red zone, and they were both great on third down. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like they were almost identical teams last year as far as this mat- particular matchup. Now, again, right. Notre Dame did that against a schedule that had Clemson twice, had Alabama, had Boston College and, and, and um, North Carolina and teams like that, right? And Toledo's was a Mac team, but Toledo also has Mac players. Right, exactly. Right? So it's not like they were a Ohio State playing against a bunch of Mac teams. So right. And and then when you also factor in how bad they were in all these areas the year before, I mean, their numbers the year before were were really bad. I mean, like I said, they finished <clears throat> excuse me, they finished 36 in scoring defense last season. In 2019, they finished I'm um, um, 101st. Whew. Right, gave up 32.2 points per game. They finished 36 last year in total defense in 2000. And um, I'm actually, that's actually in 2019, they finished 123rd. They gave up 470. That's a hundred, it's close, 130. Okay. They finished 123rd the year before in total defense. Uh, In yards per game, yards per play, they finished 34th last year. They finished 120th the year before. So I just want to point this out because what, what Vince Karras did in one season with no offseason is a tremendous job. And and it's not it may not manifest itself on Saturday against Notre Dame, but the guy's done a great job, and I feel like we need to give credit where credit is due because that's an I mean, Vince, that is a huge turnaround. Absolutely. That's a bigger turnaround. I mean, that's as big of a turnaround as what Mike Elko did in 2017, replacing Brian Van Gorder. Right. And, and he had Jerry Tillery and Drew Tranquil and, you know, right. all these NFL players to work with. Uh, so um, I, I think that I just I just want to give credit to – I mean, I, I respect good coaches. And sure. Jason Candle's a good coach, and he made a great hire when he went I – because mean, Vince Karras was living a good life, you know, at Mount Union. You know, winning championships all the time. You know, making good money there. Uh, he he had a good life. Can get any recruit he wanted in the state of Ohio. You know, I mean, he he was living a good life. He also took a leap, and and it certainly rewarded itself in the year one. No question about it. So, uh, Ben, of course, he learned from a legend his whole life. You know, watching his dad coach all those years doesn't hurt. 
So, uh, but but overall, the statistics are similar. So if we're just looking at on paper on this matchup, Vince, then yeah, it's a very close matchup. It is. But again, yeah. this is last year's numbers. Uh, I think Toledo is going to be even better this year on defense. I do. Uh, but I still I think Notre Dame's going to be even better on offense. And, right. and I think that's the part of this that's going to be interesting is can Toledo keep Notre Dame's points down enough to make this a competitive second half game? That's going to be the interesting thing. And that's that's not really something Toledo has done in past years. What we don't know about Vince Karras is how is he going to do against a power five team? You know, uh, they haven't had a great level of success in these matchups in the past. They lost by two touchdowns to Kentucky in 2019. They lost to Miami by 25 uh, in, in 2018, lost to Fresno State by 22 that year as well. I mean, they haven't been super competitive under Jason Candle against those Power 5 teams. Lost to Miami 52-30 to in 2017. Um, lost to App State in a bowl game 34 to nothing. So they haven't really been competitive in these types of matchups. This is his first chance in my opinion, to to kind of have that, to kind of have that. Okay, hey, we are a different program, and it's sure. showing now against Power Five teams. That's going to make this um, this an interesting matchup. But I think in the end of the day, Notre Dame's got the got the advantage. Statistically, sure. it's not a huge advantage, though, Vince. It, it really isn't. But I think when you look at the personnel and you talk about who Notre Dame had to play compared to who Toledo had to play, sure, there's a pretty difference. Well, and yeah, I mean, on paper, it's even, but I am very interested to see what Notre Dame does from a points scoring standpoint. Um, you know, putting up 41, you know, against Florida State, I think was was good, you know, and I feel like they left two touchdowns out there at least. Um, and so, you know, if, if Notre Dame is a little bit more, um, you know, fundamentally strong in some of their areas, you know, if they're catching balls, they should catch. If they are uh, completing drives that they should complete, you know, I'm interested to see what this looks like, uh, you know, against mm -hmm. Toledo, you know. And and the other thing is, you know, am I worried about Notre Dame losing this game? No, especially from an offensive standpoint. I am not worried at all. What I want to see is I want to see Notre Dame take care of business and put the, a team like this away yeah. um, offensively. You know what I yeah. mean? Put those points on the board. You know, don't – hey, you get an 18-point lead, it's not time to take your foot off the gas. It's time to continue to – you know, run your offense and do your thing. You could sprinkle in a couple of twos. You can do some things offensively. That's fine. But I think you still need to run your offense, you right. know, and, and you know, establish the run game. That's fine. But know who you are. Stay with your identity. I think Notre Dame will do that. Um, I just want to see, you know, kind of what this point scoring offense can mm -hmm. be moving forward. So, yeah, of course, it's advantage Notre <laughs> Dame. But things that we're definitely going to be keeping our eye on. For me, when I look at this matchup, Vince, I see a Notre Dame offense that that number one was two for two on touchdowns. They went, got in the red zone twice, got touchdowns both times. That's a positive, sure. right? That's yep. something they didn't do last year. We also saw a team that took a step back on third down. They went six of seventeen on third down, right? That's a that's thirty five point three percent. That's a big drop off from last year. Again, mm -hmm. one game. Uh, there were some drops on third down that caused that. There were some O-line issues on third downs that caused that. Uh, one third down failed because Jarrett Patterson snapped the ball too soon and too high for Jack Cohn, right? I mean, so there was a lot of sloppy mistakes that, that are game one mistakes. They're going to have to clean that up. The thing that, to me, that that when I look at this game, for all the talk about how Notre Dame barely survived Florida State, Notre Dame was up 38-20 to 20 at one point in time, and that included the fact that their first four drives got into Florida State territory and they got one touchdown. Yeah. Right. Those are the things I want to see this game. Those are the areas where, yes, the numbers were good, 
But if you're a coach and you're saying, yeah, the numbers were good, but we got, we can be, can we be better? And in this instance, they can be, you've got to finish off those drives. You've got to move the ball, get the ball into Toledo territory and then get points. When you get, when you cross, I mean, that's how any offense should have that. Once we cross midfield, we're getting points. Right, we're, we're, we're flat out getting points. Absolutely. Notre Dame missed those opportunities on Toledo. That's an area where I do think we can see improvement. Even though a good forty-one points is great and thirty-eight in regulation against a, you know, pretty what I think is going to end up being a pretty decent Florida State team, a team that's going to go to a bowl game, uh, an improved team. I think Notre Dame made them look a little better than they are. I agree with honest. that. Uh, but Florida State battled I, their butts off in that. They game, did. You know, they, look, they they battled. They they absolutely they wanted it more than Notre. They weren't afraid I, of Notre Dame, and that says a lot about right. what he's. This program and they no also question. didn't think that hey we're florida state we deserve you know we're going to go out there and, and you're going to fear it. no they they said we got to earn their respect and they went out absolutely and earned it. absolutely uh, they, they're just not as good as their name is right the, now but the, the 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 score of what it was at the end of at the end of regulation right it's a tie game those were self-inflicted wounds by notre dame they, mm-hmm. they were they were self-inflicted wounds and uh, you know, there, there's that uh, high school documentary on Netflix that I watched, and the guy gets up every, before every game and he says, "You know, who can beat the Wildcats?" And they're like, "The Wildcats." Like, you know that that that's what it was for Notre Dame. Who could beat Notre Dame that night? Notre Dame w- w- is the answer to that question. It wasn't Florida State. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not taking anything away from what Florida State did because they wanted it more. They played hard. They played mm-hmm. hard. But that game should not have been where it was because of the self-inflicted wounds by Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That's also where Notre Dame can say, okay, game two, be better. Right. And, and I yes, think that's an, that's the encouraging thing for me, Vince. As I look at it, I see four, I see 41 points. I see four, you know, four over 430 total yards. I see decent yards per play, you know, 6.2 is a decent. It's not great. It's not terrible. I mean, 6.2 last year would have ranked you 34th in the country. Uh, so it's it's good. But when you consider that that third that 34, that 6.2 ranking came with uh, a lot of missed opportunities and a lot of negatives, you know, tackles for loss, four sacks, eight tackles for loss, four sacks, I believe is what, is what they said. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a, I look at say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm feeling good about, about where they're headed. Right. If they can clean this stuff up, but this is where you got to start cleaning it up. Right. You've got game two, you're at home. You got to clean that stuff up. So, you know, be better on third down. Uh, when you cross midfield, have that that mentality of "Hey, here we go. We got to be hungry. We can sniff." It's like you 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 sniff the end zone at that point in time. You got to really turn that look. Oh, I want to get in there now. And I don't think they had that enough on Saturday. Now, once they got in the red zone, you could tell they really wanted it, and they ran one in, powered one in. Had a you know another one was a little sloppier, but they got it done. So that's that's areas where I think they can improve. If we see them just relying, it was great. It was great that they were able to make the big plays for touchdowns. That was great. But they need to show that they can put a nice long drive together too. That's what we didn't really see a lot of from Notre Dame. So good for the big plays. Now let's get a little bit more efficiency going with it. Because when your quarterback averages over 10 and a half yards per, per attempt and you only average 6.2 yards per play as a team, which is where Notre Dame was this past week. I'm going to actually look it up here real quick. It was 6.16, so 6.2. I was correct. That means you were really inefficient in other areas. And that's what we saw from Notre Dame against Toledo. So I think that's an area where, for me, I look at this and I say, if they can clean that stuff up, be a little bit more efficient in the run game, the run game doesn't have to look like it did last year. It just has to be something teams have to respect. It doesn't have to be 2017, 2020. Just be efficient, you know, make teams respect it. 
And then that's going to continue to allow your pass game to thrive, which then is in turn going to make your run game even more effective because teams can't play the box. So clean that stuff up. Get get You cross midfield, get points. Mm-hmm. You get into the red zone, get six. Those right. are the things that we need to see, and I think that's why – uh, that's where Notre Dame needs to prove. Again, advantage Notre Dame for all the reasons you mentioned, but those are the things that I want to see to say, hey, I'm going to evaluate this part of the game with a good grade. I didn't necessarily give them a great grade on scoring offense against Florida State because, yes, they ended up with 41 points, but they missed so many opportunities. We can talk about the defense all we want. The defense should have done this and should have done that. If the offense capitalizes on its early opportunity, remember the defense gave them the ball at midfield or inside the 50-yard line twice in the first right. quarter, right? And they got yep. zero points out of those two drives. Okay, that that, that it should have been 21 nothing before Florida State had a chance to breathe, or at least 21-7 yes. had a chance to breathe. Absolutely. That's on the offense. Mm-hmm. And so now the offense picked the defense up when the defense started struggling and the defense made some stops late, gave the ch- offense a chance to win it. Love all that, right? And that includes holding Florida State to a field goal in the end of regulation, not giving up a touchdown to lose. It means getting that stop in overtime. Those are all good. But So there's there's certainly areas where the offense can improve and should improve, and I want to see that faster start. That's the thing for mm-hmm. me. Start faster. When we talked about that as one of our keys to the game in the first game, right? They didn't do it. They did not do it. Exactly. The fact that they did, the fact that they missed on all those opportunities to get points allowed Florida State to say, again, what would Florida State's team have done if Notre Dame takes their first three drives and puts points on the board? Right. Right. It's a completely different game plan at that point. Yeah. It has to be because now you're playing catch up, right? Right. And and now you're asking Jordan Travis to be a a passer. And that's what Notre Dame would have wanted. Right. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.